last three weeks, we've been going back through our core values. And our, our core values is, is we know, what, what's the first one? Love, humility, honor. I think honor was, was honor second, humility. And then today, um, we're talking about generosity. So we're just going to do it very simple. I'm going to pass the offering bucket around, and I just want you guys to be generous. It's all there is to generosity, right? Just money. There's so much more to generosity than just money. And this is really what Pastor Howard and I, as we talked about what the Lord really wanted to minister um, in this session, we're going to continue to hit on our core values until we can repeat them to each other. We can repeat them on the streets. Tim gets a fresh tattoo on his right arm of all four of them. It means you have to work out and get in the gym, man, to get a little bigger so some more canvas. That was spontaneous. <clears throat> I know. To you, it wasn't. <laughs> but generosity and what Pastor Howard has been doing is he's been taking our core values and he's just been using subtopics um, to the core values. Um, and what we really believed is the Lord really wanted us to focus more um, on stewardship um, as it relates to generosity. And even as he was praying and just declaring over us, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, um, and that there was going to be season changes and shifts in our own lives and breakthroughs in our own lives, I believe that as we just moved out of this season of Thanksgiving into the season of Christmas, that we are God's divine agents in the earth, that we are his ambassadors what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, and we challenge people to be reconciled to God. We implore people to be reconciled to God, meaning your health be reconciled to God, your finances be reconciled to God, your sons and daughters be reconciled to God. Everything that's not aligned to the chief cornerstone be reconciled, right? That's what we are. That's who we are. That's our mandate. That's our assignment. I believe that there will be incredible visitations all over this region as people are sleeping, just like it was with the shepherds in the fields, that heaven breaks in in a very dark and gloomy place and in a very obscure place. I believe that that's going to happen. But what I believe more so is that God actually wants to use you as the divine light breaking into somebody's darkness. Being equipped as a son and daughter of light in this season. And the only way to do that is through a generous lifestyle. How many believe that God really wants to use you? And it's cool if you don't. But we want to rewire that as well. God wants to use you powerfully. Daniel 11.32 says the people who know their God will display strength and carry out great exploits in the land. God wants to use you mightily in this season. God wants this church and you to be the most generous people on the face of the planet. And it, often we do think as generous people and, and generosity that we are talking specifically about money. But I believe that the Lord wants us to be so much more generous 
with not just our resources, but with our time, our talent, and our resources. That he wants us to be generous in so many different ways. Let's turn to... um, Let's turn into um, Revelation 3 real quick. I think some of these verses um, we have, and there's a few that we don't. All right, so uh, Revelation 3, uh, verse 7, it says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works, see, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. All right, so we just read Revelation 3, 7. Let's bounce over to Isaiah 22. And I just want to show you where they're pulling Revelation 3 from. So really, verses 15 through 24 in Isaiah 22 is really where this whole thing is pulled from. And um, this is kind of the foundation of uh, the um, concept of stewardship that Howard and I were really um, believing that we needed to talk about. Um, So as you start reading in verse 15, um, the Lord is going to come to um, this uh, servant and basically paraphrase it so we don't have to read the whole thing. Um, The servant was really kind of focused more on himself. He wasn't really carrying out his responsibilities as he was supposed to. He was building, he was trying to build his name, you know, NIL for sports. He was trying to build his name, his image, and his likeness. I'm the dude, I'm the man, right? So ultimately, he is removed from his place in the royal kingdom. He's demoted. And then another person is actually put into his place. And this is where we'll pick up. And verse 19 says, So I will drive you out of your office, and from your position he will pull you down. Then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but the son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand, and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Verse 22, it says, The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder, so he shall open, and no one shall shut. And he shall shut, and no one shall open. You know, oftentimes Pastor Howard talks so much about the greatness that we all have in our life. Something that he's drilled into me even before this service started. He came up and just reminded me of what he's seen in my life for the past seven or eight years that we've been together. 
You know it's not just an inevitability that you're just going to walk into your divine assignment. It's not. You know, some people just say, well, what's going to happen is going to happen. That's not accurate. It's a partnership, and there's a responsibility that we have been charged with. This right here You know, it, it, it challenges me. I think the greatest fear that I, I have in life is that I would squander the divine assignment on my life. Because I was so busy and distracted with everything else in this world that is fleeting and passing away. It's very clear here that there was a change in responsibilities. There was a change in assignment because one of the servants did not carry out his responsibilities. And as I started actually like thinking about this, we see these other like really kind of divine, um, or I would say bigger examples when it came to King Saul and King David. What's that happening here? Samuel versus Hophni and Phineas, and Jesus and Adam. And I'm like, you know, Lord, I don't ever want to be the one that gets replaced. I want to be the one that rises to the occasion and carries out the divine assignment that God has on my life. Y'all jump over to 2 Corinthians um, 8. I'm going to start just reading in verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So verses 1 through 5 is really kind of the meat of um, what I believe that the Lord actually wants us to actually see into as it relates to stewardship of what God has on us and for us to be generous. 
the main text comes out of verse 5, but really what Paul is actually talking, he's talking to the Corinthian church, but he's talking about a church from Macedonia, the churches in Macedonia, um, how they ultimately came to give this enormous gift that Paul was collecting to take to the believers in Jerusalem. So he's charging the Corinthian church with reflecting on how the Macedonian church, who had very little, what they actually did, um, and how they rose to the occasion with this enormous gift that they were about to take to Jerusalem. And in verse 5 is really what stuck out at me. It says, And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So as we were reading in Revelation, Revelation 3 and Isaiah 22, we were talking about there's inside that there's a, there's a key that actually, that, that, that is a, it's a divine access key. It opens, actually, it opens doors that no man can shut, and it shuts doors that no man can open. Right? And this is about stewardship. There we go. Amen, Alan. Amen. I know. Amen. So the Lord, the Lord wants to ultimately share these keys with us so that we can actually provide divine breakthrough in this season to the people in our lives, whether it's family, whether it's our workplaces, wherever it may be. But it comes through stewardship. It comes through generosity of this stewardship. They first gave themselves to the Lord was the key. These people gave their resources, but Paul actually starts talking about the journey that they were on and why they actually gave of their resources. They first gave themselves to the Lord. And then it says, and then to us they gave themselves. This is why they actually would pour the type of money and the wealth from their lives into another church way down the road, in another land. As I was actually just sitting on this verse, I was looking at these key components. They gave themselves to the Lord. How the Lord really wants us to steward the heart of God above everything. Like you're really not going to give of your resources, you're not going to give of your talent, you're just not going to if you're not in love with Jesus. If you're not stewarding the ministry under the Lord. King Saul, as I was just talking about just a second ago, there was this change of kings in Israel from King Saul, who became absorbed in himself and absorbed in this world. And then there was a transfer. The Lord says, I've actually found somebody, a man after my own heart, Acts 13.22 says he will do everything that I've asked him to do. And the question is, is why was David picked? Like, why was David picked? Why was Samuel picked? Why was Joshua picked? Like, why were they picked for this divine assignment? It's because they kept first things first. Their ministry, their generosity was unto the Lord himself. And it sounds like really cool, right? 
It sounds like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to give my life to Jesus. I know that I'm supposed to um, keep Him priority in all things. But is Jesus really priority in all things? Like, is Jesus really number one? Like, if I really had to just go and look at your time and how you spend your time and how I spend my time, is Jesus really who I say He is in my life? Am I really stewarding? Am I really being generous? Not just with my money, but am I being generous with how I actually relate to Him? Am I being generous? I was, I was reading 2 Peter 1 the other day. It says, take heed to the Word. Take heed to this. Yet, there's other things in life that seem to be more fascinating than the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I believe the Lord wants us to use us in this season, but I believe there's a divine invitation to actually glorify this above every other thing that is vying for our time and attention. David was in obscurity. He was in a job that probably nobody wanted. Who knew how many friends he had? Think about his condition related to your condition. When Saul became absorbed in himself and started making decisions that was against God, God said, remove him. Samuel said, I need to go to, this, I need to, go to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, and find somebody to replace Saul. There were seven sons. The first one, he said, surely this has to be the guy. He speaks great. He looks great. He's a warrior. He's enormous. Must be the guy. And the Lord's like, no, 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 no. You, 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 don't, you don't see as I do. Like, you're looking on the outward appearance. I look at the heart. He's not it. They passed through, seven of them. And like, surely I was told to come here. Do you have another son? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's out there. He's out there keeping the sheep. Nobody really cares about David. Nobody really wants to hang out with David. He's out there in the lonely field. Like, put yourself in his shoes. When you feel dejected and you feel lonely, you feel like nobody actually sees you. Things aren't stacking up for you. They're not working out for you the way that you want them to work out. Like, how many of us have actually, even this week, have had thoughts that probably paralleled with that? My life is not great. Man, if I had more money, if I had this, if I had this. Yet this man, or this young dude, was in a field in probably the same type of busted environment. But 2 Corinthians 8.5 is actually where he found his source. And is actually where he found his life. And it was ministering unto the Lord. It was being fascinated, fulfilled, and satisfied Completely satisfied by one thing. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not be in any want. Are you in want tonight? Are you in want? 
What do you need to fill that want? Is it more money, more time on Instagram? What is it? What do you want tonight? What do I want tonight as I look in the mirror? What is it? Are you not satisfied? Are you not fulfilled? Are you depressed, oppressed? What, what, what is it? David found the source. David found the breakthrough. And David was picked to be king. And from my studies, it says that even David is mentioned more than any other name in, Bible, in the Bible besides Jesus himself and God. The son of David, as Jesus is referred to. David was promised that there will always be a man that will sit upon your throne. The government will rest upon his shoulders. And guess what? After him, I'll pick the people that are sitting in seats at City of God Church. If they'll actually listen to my voice when I call, who will go for me? And they will say, yes, I'll go, but not in word, because the kingdom of God is not a matter of mere words, but it's of power and it's of decision making. And when they find their fulfillment just in me, like just in me, that's the guy that I can use or the girl that I can use. The Macedonian church, they first gave themselves unto Jesus, the ministry unto Jesus. The second thing that they did is they actually gave themselves, it says, Paul says to us, you could say they gave themselves to church leadership, they submitted themselves um, in a local church, a body like this, doesn't have to be this church, but a local body, a man, a woman of God, spiritual mother and father, they heard what the Lord was saying to them and they submitted themselves. Like being rogue will not win the day for you, I promise you. As I was just thinking about that one line, it made me think of Samuel and Hannah. As Hannah was in also kind of a similar place, maybe like David was in the fields, where everything around her was blossoming except in her own, her own life. Everything was working out for everybody else, but not her. She was barren. She wanted a male child. And year after year, she would go to the temple to give her annual sacrifice, and she was in anguish. Absolute despair and hopelessness. But she continued to cry out to the Lord. And as that story goes, there was a moment in time as she continued to contend that there was breakthrough and there was a male child given to her and his name was Samuel. And she had promised to the Lord even before the child was born that she would give this child wholeheartedly unto the Lord. Samuel's born. 1 Samuel 3 says, in the days that Samuel was actually on the, on the ground, it says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. As he was weaned from his mom, she takes him to the temple during that annual year, or during that annual time of sacrifice. 
and he's given to the Lord, and he's left at the temple. Eli, who was the priest at the time, he had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And as most of us have probably studied that story have heard, they were wicked. And their dad, it says, did not restrain them. Just let them be. As the story goes, there was a replacement. This is Revelation 3, 7 and Isaiah 22, where the stewardship was removed from the priest and it was put into the hands of a little boy named Samuel who was not even from the bloodline of Eli. So really, this word can be kind of hard on one, one end and on the other end, there's, there's great expectation and hope for us because it's like, I don't want to miss out on what God has for my life. Like, I know that there is nothing in this planet for me. There's nothing else that I could desire but Him. Now, if I'm with Him and God blesses me like He did Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and a lot of our friends and families, we know that God wants to put um, even great resources in our lap. We're not speaking against that. We know that God wants to financially bless us, right? He does, no doubt. But my heart is not tethered to that. My heart is not tied to that. But he raises up Samuel, not just as a priest, but as a voice. Ministering unto the Lord, like David, gives you a place of authority and rule in government. As the government was placed upon Jesus' shoulder, that same government has been placed upon our shoulder as ambassadors. Not just to tell, but to demonstrate the kingdom of God when we encounter people. As Samuel, we get to be a voice to people. Lately, God's been speaking to me through, well, He always speaks to me through numbers, but I'll just, you, you, can, you, can, you can take this too. I see 333 a lot. Jeremiah 333 says, Call unto me, and I will show you mighty or great and mighty things which you do not know. When you break down that language in the original language, it means inaccessible. Inaccessible things that you do not know or the people around you do not know. He's called you to be a voice, He's called you to be able to unlock the things with keys the key of David, to unlock things that brings breakthrough answers and solutions into the hearts and minds of people. The other one I keep seeing is 444. It's Ezekiel 44.4. And it's really, I'm just paraphrasing, it talks about the glory that's about to be released. And then I keep seeing Isaiah 55.5. been seeing those a lot lately. God wants to speak to you, whether it's like that or other ways, not just for yourself, so, but, but so that you can actually be a voice to other people.
You know, as we go into this season of Christmas, I know we're going to do some things as a, as a church. We're going to ask the Lord, Lord, direct us as a church. Who do you want us to touch? Where do you want us to be a place of impact in this season? We know it's better to, better to give, right, than to receive. Like we, we, We've heard that. But I would charge us with 2 Corinthians 8, 5. They first gave themselves to him. And then they gave themselves to us or to others. These were the actual doors to walk through where they actually gave out of the, it says even out of the poverty of their own life. They didn't give out of the abundance of their life. They gave out of their poverty. Reminds me of the lady in Luke 21. I think it's in Mark 12 as well. The lady with the mites. And as they were, Jesus was sitting in the temple and was watching all the different people that were coming in to give all their gifts. It says that they were giving lavish gifts. And then this lady, basically what they're saying is the worth of penny, like a penny, pennies. She came and gave her gift and he was like, who, who, who gave the most? Well, she actually gave the most. They gave out of their abundance, out of their surplus. She gave out of her poverty. It says that she actually gave all her livelihood. She gave everything that she had. Lord, what do you want us to give in this season? Not just in this season. But if you have a powerful assignment for my life, what does it look like for me to steward my life? What does it look like for me to give myself wholeheartedly unto you? What does it look like for me to give myself unto um, a local church or a leadership team or you fill in the blank, whoever it may be? Because it's in those places of stewarding those buckets is where the release of resources and other things out of your life actually flows from. Guys, let's go ahead and stand.